Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Ben Wilhelm. Ben, welcome to the show. Uh, happy to be here, David. Thanks for having me. Sure. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I uh, help early career, especially self-taught or bootcamp grad software engineers uh, overcome their imposter syndrome by better understanding the context of the tools that they've learned. That is awesome. I feel like that is is hugely important right now. And I think one of the things that I'm curious about is how did you decide to make that a focus or realize that that was necessary? Um, you know, it, it sort of found me, to be honest. Um, I, I've been a software developer since uh, 2009. I uh, taught myself... Uh, quit my job in a huff and decided I'd teach myself to be a software developer. Um, that, that was a rough 18 months or so. <laughs> Were those, uh, was that like the, the backbone JS days trying to, trying yeah. to figure out what era we were yeah. in? Yeah. Um, backbone, backbone was probably just coming on the scene. Um, but I would like really got my start, like cut my teeth in WordPress. Nice. Um, which, uh, I have a lot of feelings about WordPress and jQuery, <laughs> WordPress and jQuery were like, I knew them knew them inside and out back yeah. in the day. Um, uh, so I worked uh, as a software developer um, until 2017 when I took a job as a, uh, an instructor at Full Stack Academy. So we were teaching, um, we were, it was a pretty selective program. I think we only accepted like five to 10% of applicants. And so we were teaching over the course of three months, um, teaching people to, to be software developers. Uh, specifically in the web context, um, you know, giving them the, the nerd stack, um, node, uh, express react and the D in nerd, it just stands generically for database. We used Postgres, um, and, and giving them sort of this generic tool set of like, here's a full, a, a complete tool set to build a web application. And, um, what I found was that the, the students who performed the best and ultimately went on to get hired the most quickly um, were the students who recognized that this is just one way of doing things, that this is a set of tools that solves a particular set of problems. And that rather than trying to memorize every single little thing that, that we tell you, um, try to understand why this tool exists and the problem that it's solving. And that gives you a better context to understand where it exists in the larger ecosystem. And especially given the fact that you'll never, like if you learn a single full stack set of tools, you will never go on a job interview where they're using exactly that same set of tools. And so it becomes this um, sort of race to feel like, well, if I just learn this other tech, okay, I just need to learn MongoDB. Okay, 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 now I just need to learn Angular. Okay, um, and now, well, I, I could probably learn Python. Sure, 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 sure. And like, it feels like, well, if I just learn all of these things, if I just grab all these things, like then, then I'll be a real developer, real engineer. Yeah, the um, better developer is the one who knows more things, more tools. Right, right. And, and that's not the case. You know, the, I, I would always encourage people to, to go deep in what you do know and understand it and go shallow in a few other things to get context and get ideas. But, um, but what I found is that the, 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 imposter syndrome that is present when you have just come out of a three-month program that has 
just jammed a bunch of knowledge in your head and you go in front of someone who has been doing this for 10 years and they start asking you questions. You know, I just found that to be this huge touch point with people that I talked to. And I, I kept, um, I've been also doing some consulting work since I left full stack, uh, a year and a half ago. And, um, just sort of kept watching through LinkedIn and through sort of keeping up with former students and keeping up with sort of as, as my network sort of invariably included newer, more recent grads from my program and other programs. Um, just seeing that, that people really struggled with exactly what I just described, the, the, the feeling of imposter syndrome and trying to chase a, a stack of buzzwords to put on their resume. And I felt like I, what I really want to do is help people understand the the sort of basics of software engineering of, um, you know, drawing good boundaries around your problems and black boxing components of your, of your system and um, understanding the domain that you're trying to work within and all of these larger, more, somewhat more nebulous, but more, my words are failing me here for a second. Um, the, the higher level, the, the, the more um, I think you referred to them as like meta skills at one point. Meta skills, is that, sure. Is that, is that what you're? Yeah, I would I would call them. Yeah, they're they're not they're not so much the tactical tools. They are the um, the more strategic thinking around mm-hmm. like principles. Principle, yeah, principles. Let's go with principles. <laughs> <laughs> principles over tools. Yeah, so I think I think the the chasing those buzzwords or thinking like that you know as as if you're just you can check all these boxes you'll be complete or like you have to have you know this many merit badges or something like that Mm -hmm. i partially blame recruiters for that um absolutely (laughs) well yeah they i mean and they have a a difficult job too because they're getting flooded with more resumes than they can possibly hand vet and so then you have to hand it over to the robots to read resumes and match against buzzwords. And now here we are, you actually have to have a bunch of buzzwords on your resume in order to get seen by a human. But then you have to talk to a human and show more than just the buzzwords, you know? Yeah. So I want to go back to, to what you're saying. That's like really cool that you have this experience where you are able to see different grads, uh, bootcamp grads, and really pick out the patterns of who got hired more quickly and then who didn't. And yeah, it, like, so what, what would, how would you describe that attitude of, 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 you know, someone who, who struggled a little bit more, like what, how did they approach things or like, what were they missing? Um, I would say that the person who is going to struggle more is focused on the specifics of the language API or the framework API to the exclusion of all else. Mm. They are trying to match a pattern they've been taught. They're trying to really like pour over the docs to specifically understand like, oh, at this point I would use this method, which don't get me wrong. Like, yes, absolutely. You should know the API of the tools that you, that you are using, but it's that you start to miss the context that you are you are just using one particular set of tools one way of doing things you know what it is it's if they are showing confidence (laughs) Mm -hmm. um they are often describing things too much as this is how it is done instead of this is a way that it is done so one of the things that i that i try to tell people is to remember that you'll never know even close to everything that there is to know like you won't even know one tiny fraction of what there is to know in software development. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so instead of having the mindset that I have to learn all of this, you have to have the mindset of, I understand where I am. I have, have a tool set within myself to acquire more knowledge, to move around in this space in which I am in the dark. Have a rough idea of where you sit in the larger context so that when you have to move laterally, when you have to go into a new, uh, a new set of technologies or a new domain or a new, um, a new place on the stack to understand what, what you're doing in that area and how it interacts with the places you're familiar. Right. So, um, yeah, like, I think I was having a conversation last night. Last night was uh, JSLA, and I, I was sort of having like a, a similar conversation where, um, you know, the you know the at the end of the day, it's 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 like what what are you building and and who's it for, and not getting so caught up in in exactly how it's built. Now, of course, this is really tough with. Um, with hiring managers and recruiting because you know that's that's where the checklists and things come in but w- one of the things that I, that I I you know I want junior de- developers to realize is that they they do have a ton of ability to build things that make people's lives better um mm-hmm. now that's like a it sounds like a really grandiose thing like oh you're making people's lives better but like i'm not actually saying the degree like just saving people like five minutes every day can be huge like if they have to do a whole bunch of data entry and you make that process uh quicker you're you're improving you're improving their life or you know if if there's some sort of application you know where they're they're keeping track of things or they want a reminder you know just by giving them an easy way to set a reminder in their life so that they can do something that, that, that they need to, that is also making their, their life better. And I think a lot of juniors, bootcamp grads have more than enough tools at their disposal to, uh, to create these, these things, these apps, these services, these, these tools that actually can have a real impact on, on people's lives. And getting caught up in necessarily the best way to do it or in you know using a a language that they don't know or a framework that they don't know and that's like the blocker before creating something i think can be uh can be a problem um yeah you know it's just like no you you have enough to to create value and so where this ties into with um hiring managers and things like that is yeah i do i do wonder if maybe it's it's certain type of person like that gets in their way. And so if they're sitting in front of someone who's, who ultimately is really trying to figure out if I offer you this job, are you going to be able to make my life better? Like if I hire you, am I going to regret it? Um, And I think someone who is confident in their own ability to build things that make people's lives better, probably fare better for use that word in that conversation because they they can look back and have these examples of like oh yeah i you know i was really curious about keeping track of uh how you know my favorite baseball player was doing so i just created this cool little web app that you know as i'm watching the games i can like input this thing and it makes little predictions of what's going to happen or whatever that's a horrible uh (laughs) example for me to to use just because that's something i know nothing about but the, the idea is that if people get into the habit of scratching their own itches or building recipe apps for their you know spouse or whatever, that confidence, I think, 
is probably really useful going into those conversations. But, you know, part of that is like recognizing that the, it doesn't, doesn't super matter exactly whether or not that app was built with Vue or React right. and, or like Postgres or Mongo or Docker or not. Yeah. I mean, that that's actually advice I frequently give uh, people starting off on their, on their interviewing journey is just to remember that, especially if you are being interviewed as, as a, a early career engineer, you know, when I, when I was interviewing engineers, like I, I did not expect you to know very much. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't talk to me too much. Like, show that you have some level of understanding, some level of competence with your tools. But, but you are much more valuable to me having uh, a good understanding of your own abilities um, and knowing, like, what I want to be sure of if I am hiring a junior is that they are not kind of what you just described. Are they going to make my life better or worse? I think I don't think you said worse, but mm. one of the fears in the hiring well, context- I, saw, I said, like, am I going to regret hiring this person? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's exactly it. Like one of the fears, especially when hiring a junior is like, is this person going to to have any knowledge of their own limitations? Mm. Uh, and are they going to like run down a blind alley and get us into trouble with something that is just, that that's going to take a lot of effort to undo? Um, that's actually relatively rare. <laughs> yeah. If if your company has reasonably good oversight of, um, you know, like good mentorship among between junior and senior engineers, and um, but I worked a lot in in agency settings where everything happens very quickly oh, for clients, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, and so very often you were handed something and expected to speak up if you didn't know how to do it, otherwise run with it. And so that was a that was a thing that I very often would hire for is like. And, and advice I would give to people interviewing is, is think of the, the things you know in three concentric rings. And any of my former students who've done mock interviews with me are, are rolling their eyes right now because they've all heard this spiel. <laughs> um, but think, you want to think of the things you know in three concentric rings. There are the things that you know and you know down pat. And those are in the center ring. And if you're asked a question and it falls in that center ring, you answer that question confidently. You don't waffle you don't at you know you don't answer with a question mark. You just know it. You pin it to the table and stand by it. Um, there are the things. The next uh, the next ring out are the things that you kind of know. Maybe you've had some exposure to. You've done maybe a toy project with, but never really used very much. Um, and if you're asked a question that lands there, um, be honest. Just say like, oh yeah, I. Uh, I, I know a little bit about this. I did this little project over here. This is what I know about it. Here's kind of the differences and similarities that I see to this other thing that I'm very, very comfortable. And like, keep anchoring things back to the things that you know, but showing that you have had insight about other things that you've been exposed to, right? Um, and then there are the things that sit outside in the third ring, which are things you just have no idea about. And that's fine. Admit that too. If you're asked a question, you, you know, you're asked a question about Mongo and you're like, oh, I've, I've never used Mongo. I've only ever used Postgres. Um, how does it differ? What, what's the difference? And you might get lucky and the person says, oh yeah, just solve this problem with Postgres. That's fine. Use a relational database. Right. Or they might say, well, it stores, uh, you know, it stores its data as structured documents similar to a JSON object instead of as normalized tables. Now you've got something to think about, something to go off. You're like, oh, that's interesting. Think for a second. Think about 
what are the implications of that thing that you've just heard, that thing you've just learned? You might say, oh, interesting. Um, how do you deal with relationships then? And now you're having an intelligent conversation with, with a peer. You know, you're having an intelligent conversation with a colleague and you're showing that you can learn things, that you can ask intelligent questions when you are faced with something you don't know. Because like I said, if, if you're coming in as a junior, I don't actually expect you to know very much. Now, again, that depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to the hiring manager, that person may have like literal boxes they have to tick to pass you on to an engineering manager, right? So I would always recommend people start interviewing as soon as they can and recognize that interviewing is itself a skill. Yeah. Um, and that the don't start your first interview with your dream job because you're going to mess it up. <laughs> I think that is probably one of the most important pieces of advice. Uh, yeah, don't don't start on on. It's not so much like the hardest level, but you definitely you want to practice. That's like the yeah, you definitely want to practice before you you get to that one because yeah, you don't you don't really have a lot of a lot of chances. I mean, I guess you kind of do sort of i don't know that in the sense that like a lot of jobs will let you kind of try to apply again but it's very difficult to make a a second first impression and also you know do you really want it to take that long you're probably going to find another job in the meantime and then forget all about it not forget but move on well and it's like you were saying earlier that that um you know you're you're solving problems for people and so you learn the skill of figuring out in that context, in that interview, what is the problem that this person has and how can I solve it? Yeah. And that's, that's a skill that is not really related to engineering. (laughs) And so, and so like, it's a skill that honestly also gets rusty in between, in between like job searches too. Like, yeah, you got to spin those wheels back up, you know? I mean, it's interesting though, because like, I do feel like that is also a very useful skill to have just in the day-to-day job as well i like i remember for a long period of time now this is kind of like a weird thing to say because like i i never really you know at that time worked in anything resembling an agency nor was i like i guess i had done some freelance but even within a large company like disney or or at&t i really wanted to treat myself as if i was a like freelance consultant agency and that the other people in in the organization were my clients. And so instead of just more or less waiting to be told like this is exactly what it is and these are the specs, like I spent a lot of time just asking random people to go out to lunch with me and figuring out like, oh, so like what are you working on? Like what's challenging about it? What are you trying to do? Like how are you doing it? And then coming up with different software solutions that might apply to them. And, I, you know, I don't know if it's realistic to expect other people um, listening, like, early in their career to, to, to like, jump at this um, and be like, oh, crap, I should be doing this. Like, I don't, I don't know how generally applicable it is. But, I mean, I'll tell you, one of the things that, like, would come out of this is I just... I don't know, an example at Disney, I remember like walking through the office, there was this one huge TV. It was probably like, I don't know, like an 80 inch TV or something like that. That was always off. 
it was it was like off all the time like so you just walk by this blank screen all like every time every time you walked into the office and um there was the i guess it was like the editorial I, I guess they were called like editorial but they were more like they were doing like a lot of these social media posts and they would create youtube videos and like twitter posts and all of these things and um i could tell just because i wasn't in that department and i had no clue like how often they were doing things and whether these were successful and people were watching them like you know a ton or not and I wound up creating them a really simple tool it was like a effectively a bookmarklet so they would just go to YouTube click the bookmarklet and then wherever their mouse was on the page it would like highlight an element and so they would click the bookmarklet they would move their mouse they would highlight over to the view count and then they would click it and then maybe like a confirmation button or something like that and then it would go to, um, I think it was like Rails at the time. Like So like a Rails server would then get the XPath and then it was using like Nokogiri. I think that was like the scraping library. Uh-huh. Whatever, it doesn't even matter. The whole point is it was an easy way for them to click on a number and then my server every day would go and fetch the updated number. And then there was like an interface, uh, like the web app, they could see over time how the view count was growing. And so... Mm-hmm every new campaign or YouTube video or Twitter post that they did, they could just like keep track of how many likes or views or whatever it was over time. And then on the TV, I just decided to create like kind of like a little slideshow. um, uh, What do you call it? Not really like dashboard, but whatever that would cycle through like whatever the newest ones were and it would show like these charts of like how awesome they were doing. And so no one really like asked me to do this, but just in going to lunch with other people in the department, it was like, oh, a problem for you is like you're having trouble easily keeping track of how successful you're being and you're having trouble communicating that to the rest of the organization. And here is like this quote unquote easy way. I think I knocked this out in like over like course of a week or something like that. And it was huge. Like every, it was amazing because like every tour that like the senior execs like took like other, you know, higher ups through the building, there was always like a stop and they'd be like, yes. And like, here's like our awesome dashboard where you can see how, you know, successful and awesome our like social media people are. And then like onwards and like, the technology for that didn't even matter. It, 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 yeah, like, yeah. There's like an infinite number of ways that that could be done. And the execs walking through on the tour, like they, they wouldn't care if that was, well, React wasn't an option then, but like they didn't care if it was built with React or Rails or PHP or Perl or COBOL. Like, you know, as long as you're solving problems for people, that's, that's what matters more, I think. And a lot of the stuff, the other stuff can kind of fall away. Well, and I think that's good advice generally professionally for anyone, like always be looking around for whose problems you can solve. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, otherwise you're, you're a bureaucrat and maybe you're a bureaucrat <laughs> Maybe you like being a bureaucrat. Yeah. And if that, if that's working for you, then great. But if you're not <laughs> like look around and see what you can fix, because honestly, like so- you're, you're not, you're not made once you're a software engineer, like this isn't, you're not, you're not good to go for another 40 years till you retire. Like this is, this industry moves very, very quickly. And if you are just trying to keep up on technology, one, you're going to burn out Mm -hmm. Two, You do to some degree have to continue to stay current, but, but the 
best thing you can do when you reach that point where you're like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm so tired of one more framework. At that point, you, you may have found a place in your career where you are now solving bigger problems where you don't need to understand the, the tiny intricacies of every new incoming uh, technology that comes out of wherever you can, you're now understanding the bigger problems that need to be solved and totally. you can understand better who, who you can pull onto your team to help you solve them and so on and so forth. But, um, but like to advance your career, to have a, a my friend, Carl Hughes refers to a, a resilient career. Um, you need to be solving problems, not just investing in skills, not investing in technical. So, so in your opinion, like what, what does a, I don't know, archetypal career trajectory path look like from oh, God. to take the, I... the, <laughs> to take <laughs> the, like the show title, like junior to senior. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Don't look at me for that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had a, a, a very mm, uh, non-standard one. Um, I, but I would say, I, I think, you know, the first couple of years by necessity, you're, you are focusing on getting better technically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that has to be a large portion of what you're doing. It can't be everything that you but it has to be a, a significant portion of what, um, the, the more and the sooner, I feel like a broken record here, but the more and the sooner <laughs> you can recognize where those tools fit in the problems you're solving, the more you can, uh, you can move laterally or, or vertically, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within the first few years, once you've shown a reasonable amount of technical skill, you probably start to be put in charge of projects. Technically, you start to be making larger decisions around um, what technology are we going to use here? How are we going to divide up our architecture? What sort of patterns are we going to use? Um, you may be choosing uh, people to come onto your team. You may be choosing the engineers who are going to work with you. It sort of depends on the environment you're working in. Um, and sort of how fluid those assignments are or how quickly you're starting new projects. But, um, and you know, the, the names for these positions are as varied as the companies that they, that they exist in. But I would say then you sort of have, that's, I have not found anyone who has found a way around the divide that happens next, which is you can either go into managing people or you can go into, continue going into sort of higher level technical, architectural kinds of decisions. But it's very hard to stay technically focused and also manage some people. Um, and, and honestly, most of the time, you get routed into managing people because in a large organization, that it, it's a tree structure. Like you, you just end up needing people to manage other people. Um, and it's a thing that you have to be careful of if that's not where you want to end up. You have to watch for it and figure out what you're going to do when you start getting routed that way. And I don't have an answer for, yeah, <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. but Yeah, because it, it's sort of like, you know, that's sort of like that, like an engineering manager, like architect split, I guess, is is what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, so, it, it you know, it's something like junior, mid-level, senior, tech lead. And then it's sort of like tech lead is that last last stop before the split. Um, yeah. Although tech lead probably starting to be a little bit responsible for some people management. Well, and it it depends. Like, there's also different kinds of people management, right? Are you managing the project by way of the people, or are you managing a department full of people? 
you know, those, those can be very different things with very different responsibilities. Um, are you doing a lot of code review or are you doing a lot of sort of professional development? And I mean, sometimes you're doing both of those things, but like, you know, like project management. Yeah. Are you guiding engineers to deliver a product? Are you like, are you guiding them through their technical decisions or are you managing their time for mm-hmm. not managing their time, but manage, manage, like managing in more the, the sort of collective corporate or, or like corporate sense. Yeah. Like, like allocation yeah like Like running a department so so one of the things that i think uh i i heard you you work with students is is so all right so let's say someone graduated from a boot camp they got their job and now thinking ahead to that trajectory like how do they choose what to focus on or like you know it seems like up to that point people have specifically told them like okay here's what you need to learn or here's what you study like how how would you, how do you look at that next phase of choosing? Can you be more specific? It's sort of like they've gotten their job, right? Okay. And so now it's like they're expected to be a little bit more autonomous, but maybe they're uh-huh. a little bit used to the, like that boot camp environment of like, here's what you need to learn. But now they're kind of on their own, but also within an organization. Like I think, yeah. I think you referred to that as like, you know, people not having a clear picture of where to focus, like the next phase of their self-study. There's, there's a couple of things to, you can do. Um, one is if you are on a team and you have more senior engineers that you're working with, really pick apart the architecture of, of the project you're working on. Understand what each technology that has been brought in does. Like anytime you sort of catch yourself uh, saying like, well, then I just type this magical command and it does what I need it to do. Like, oh no, dig in. Like mm-hmm. what, why, what is it doing and why and how? Um, And like, you're going to bump up against limits where it's just like, I don't know, that's over my head, but Mm -hmm. always give it that first, like, oh yeah, look under that hood, see what's going on. Um, And that's everything from like, do you, is, are there like deploy scripts that, that run from within your repository? And you just say like, you know, uh, NPM run deploy and away it goes, look at that script, see what's in there, see what are the, what are the moving parts? What are the, um, what are the platforms that you're interacting with? then look also at the you know the specific um, the specific technologies that are wor- that have been pulled into the architecture of the app itself. Like ask people if anyone if anyone was there to make the decisions. Like why did you choose the language that we're working in? Why did you choose the framework that we're working in? Um, you know now that we're three years into this project, what would you do differently? Mm, what where are the one. shortcomings that um, what are the what are the things you've observed? You know the best thing. Like one of the best ways to learn is to just keep, I mean, when I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> like ridiculously obvious is like, just keep asking questions, like yeah. <laughs> ask around, ask the things, um, you know, a- ask the, the people around you about what they've been doing and what they've observed. And some of it, like I said, will go over your head, ask, ask a deeper question, like try and try and get to the bottom of it. Um, you know, the other thing that I would say is, keep building side projects if you have if you have the capacity for it you know like if you have young kids that's probably going to be difficult but um if you have free time like pick a problem solve it if you especially um like so for a long time i would i had a, a app that i built called frisbot um i played ultimate frisbee i hosted a pickup game of ultimate for every week for years and the problem of course is that friday night everyone says Oh yeah, I'm a maybe for tomorrow. 
And then you've got two <laughs> people who've said yes, and everyone's hung over the next day. And you never know if there is a game or not. Um, and so I, I built this, uh, this robot in like 2009, 10, maybe, um, that would just send out an email and you click yes or no. Mm -hmm. And at 11 PM on Friday night, like there's no, maybe <laughs> if you yeah. have enough yeses, it sends out an email that says there's a game on tomorrow. And if you said yes, and you don't show up, you're publicly shamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, uh, sort of goes to what you were saying of like, that solves a problem that solves a problem for people, but it was low stakes, right? It solved a real problem and it was low stakes. If it blew up and it wasn't running one week, nobody cared. Yeah. Um, and I, I rebuilt that in several different languages and several different frameworks as a way of like, oh, I need to learn this new thing. How would I do this in using these tools? How would I solve this problem in these tools? And, um, and what you learn by maintaining a project over a long time, uh, especially if you have other people using it, is like you learn about the corners you can cut. You learn about, the, I don't mean corners you can cut in terms of like quality, but as far as like, oh, this little feature that I think is super cool, no one's going to care. Or um, the thing, the maintenance of this thing that when I hand it over to someone else and I'm not in charge of it anymore, I need to think about that. How, how is this going to be uh, used? Is this going to be obvious when I'm not the one doing it? Um, a lot a, of those that's, sorts that's of questions. Really, that's, that, yeah, I kind of want to dig into that one because that one's really yeah. important. Like I think, honestly, that is probably one of the biggest differentiators between juniors and seniors, in my view, is being okay. able to being able to anticipate how others are going to use your code or your project. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you agree or like other people agree, but like when I think when I think about, you know, more of a senior engineer, it it's sort of like their ability to create things that are maintainable. And for them to be maintainable, they have to be able to work without that specific creator's intervention or availability. And yeah, so, so I, I like, I kind of like the way that you said that. And I don't know if that's sort of what you meant, like that, that that's how like you build up that skill. Yeah, I think, well, so that gets to something that I'm actually in the process of building a course on debugging right now mm -hmm. um, that gets to drawing boundaries around the components with, of your application. Like this is what unit testing is about, right? Mm -hmm. Basically being able to draw good boundaries in your code to, to, create smaller problem um, so that anything on one side of the boundary doesn't know or care about the other side of the boundary. It just knows what information can cross the boundary. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is related to what you're saying about senior engineers can more, I think, more readily create components that have good boundaries, that have clearly defined behaviors that are easier to follow so that as you're tracing, you know, application logic or like the execution path of your code, it becomes more obvious what you're doing at each step rather mm -hmm. than sort of long 200 line long functions that are yeah. just sort of mutating arrays every two, every two lines, you know? <laughs> um, and I think that, I think that's a big part of, of what you're describing is being able to break down a large problem into its smaller sub problems that make sense 
contextually to be reusable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think also just I, like that anticipating, like, or yeah, being able to anticipate how another person's going to look at it. Right. And so, you know, if you get used to breaking it down in, in, in those ways and having clear boundaries, like you're, you, you're kind of doing that in a way that you're anticipating, like, okay, let's say I wasn't me, I was like a different developer and looking at this, what would it be like? And like, or being able to recognize like, oh, this is like a 2000 line file and everything's mutating. Let me put myself in the shoes of somebody approaching this, like, you know, with fresh eyes. Oh yeah, this, this is not, this is. Uh, so uh, we um, were a little bit close to time, but one of the things that, that I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on, because I'm sure, sure you're, you're seeing this a lot is what's, what's it like for someone who just freshly uh, graduated from a boot camp now? Like is, is, is that, is there like a lot of competition or like, are there a lot more boot camp grads? Like, I don't know, like, yeah, where, where are we on that cycle? What's, what's that like? I would say, so we're recording this in, in the midst of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say there is a, a, there are certainly a lot of boot camp grads out there. Um, and to me, most of the people I talk to are struggling to, um, are struggling to differentiate themselves in a way that doesn't make them sound uh, unprofessional. Mm, okay. Um, that doesn't make them sound brand new to the to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a little, honestly, there's a little bit of backlash right now against um, against the notion of a bootcamp grad because, mm-hmm. like anything, there's a broad range of the quality of graduate you'll get out of any program. Um, and so I think there is a bit of snobbery <laughs> around like, well, they don't, you don't have a CS degree. You don't have hmm. five years of experience for this brand new, you know, junior developer job that I'm advertising. Like, um, you know, you see all of these, um, these posts that are like, uh, expect, I don't know, somebody posted one recently. I can't even remember the specifics, but like, it's like five years uh, of Deno, like, experience. yeah, exactly. Five years, five years experience in something that came out last year. Right. And you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like this clearly went through a few, a few rounds of telephone yeah. before it was posted. Um, but, but I think that the, you know, honestly, it is, it is going to be very difficult to, uh, get a job just um, replying to a cold post. Uh, this is the, the advice I'm hearing from a lot of other people that I talk to as well, who are, who are sort of more in the weeds of trying to get people jobs uh, and less in the weeds of sort of professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that replying cold to a post, especially if you don't already have very much professional experience or any professional experience, is going to be really, really difficult. So like the best thing you can do uh, is, is to work the, any network you have work, anyone, you know, working in any kind of company that might be hiring, you know, the, the best thing you can do is to have a human conversation with a real person in a company. And maybe that's just finding an engineer on their engineering team and sending them an email, you know, sending them a message on LinkedIn and saying, Hey, I'm interested in your company. Can we talk? Um, anything like that, that you can start to build trust with, someone at that company because HR managers and hiring managers are, are dealing with just thousands and thousands of resumes. And the resume is a terrible, terrible way to display your qualifications for anything. (laughs) Um, And so, 
you know, the, the more you can, the more you can talk to real people, um, the better. And like, don't get discouraged, honestly, like it takes time. Um, and, but you will get there. It, there is software is not going anywhere. There are not enough software engineers to go around. Um, there is just a, a bit of a learning curve to learning what people want to hear <laughs> to get that yeah. first job. But once you have that first one, as long as you stay relatively current in your industry, you're, you're going to be fine for a while. Nice. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with all of that. I think, I think a lot of the, the theme, you know, in, in, in our conversation is, you know, remembering that, that you are like, all of this is, is related to humans. Like what you are doing yeah. is in service of humans, like the people who are deciding whether or not to hire you, they are humans. And, um, you know, the, the more that you can figure out what makes those humans happy, like the, the more you can get their perspective and anticipate what you can do to make them happy, the just the more successful you'll be overall. Now, of course, you know, is that simple? Like, no, like each human is different. And that means that every different situation, uh, you can't just do the same thing you did the last time. So it's more like this meta skill of being able to to figure those things out quickly and so it's just that like that muscle or that skill of being able to be adaptable quickly rather than nailing some particular skill so awesome uh this has been great uh ben where can people find out more about you online uh benwilhelm.com b-e-n-w-i-l-h-e-l-m all right cool i'll I'm put that in a the little show social notes. media phobic <laughs> so <laughs> <Okay>. that's <laughs> That's that's the best place to find me. That's the best place. All right, I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, perfect. Thanks for joining me today. Right. Thanks, David. This was fun. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to get more involved with like-minded devs focused on their career, head on over to community.juniortoseniour.io. I'll also put that in the show notes. And you can get more information about joining our private community. Thanks, everyone. Bye.